Welcome back to Brighter Things, everyone. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Austin. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great. I am enjoying the sun. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm also enjoying the sun when I can actually get some of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully outside of work hours. Or maybe one day we'll be working outside with the work from home. Who knows? You never know. You never know. <laughs> anyway, uh, we have a super special episode this week because we got to talk to Shermaine Perry Knights. Um, I'm so excited about this. So we're big fans of hers. We followed her on Instagram a while ago, and she just does such amazing stuff. So um, Shermaine is an award-winning facilitator, project manager, speaker, and author. Um, and she's really passionate about helping others develop emotional intelligence and leadership skills. So each of her published books supports the growth mindset, uh, which is all about like self-care, resilience, and readiness. And she had some really interesting things to say as a proud military kid and a lifelong learner. So yeah, this interview was awesome. I know we were so excited to get to talk to her. Yeah, it was really amazing. Yeah. So um, without further ado. We're so excited today um, because we're always excited when guests come on. But right now I'm really excited because um, we've been following Charmaine on Instagram for a long time. And I'm so excited to talk about your book because I feel like this is something that I felt very strongly about growing up. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself as usual because I'm so excited. But hi, Charmaine. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I, like I said earlier, I just love these things. I love how we have a great conversation. It's like we're in the same room, but we're not, and we're going to talk yeah. about books. It's my favorite topic <laughs> ever. So. Sophia and I are a little starstruck. We were <laughs> kind yeah. of getting antsy before because, like, it's like we're talking to a celebrity on our on our own <laughs> podcast. Well, the world is so much smaller now, right? So we can talk to everyone just with a phone call. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like during COVID, that's something that we're. <laughs> seeing more than ever which is has its perks I guess <laughs> um but yeah do you want to introduce our, yourself to viewers who might not know you yet yeah so my name is Shermaine Perry Knights and I am a learning development professional an author what else do I do um love to travel so all around lifelong learner traveler I consider myself a chef you know I think there's only two qualifications <laughs> that no one gets sick and people actually enjoy your food yeah. so I'm gonna go with that <laughs> And just, um, I love learning new things and helping people become their best self. And I want to do that with books. It's amazing. That's a true uh, room in a culture right there. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, we're so excited and we wanted to dive right in because I've been seeing this on your feed a lot. And we want to talk about your book, uh, I, I Move a Lot and That's Okay. Tell us about it. Like what inspired it? For me, um, so I'll give you like a fun fact. Well, I don't know if it's a fun fact but there are 1.6 million military kids in the United States. And on average, those children will change schools nine times between wow. Wow. the first year of school and the last year of school. So kindergarten to graduation, that's in a 12 year, 13 year period, you're gonna change school about nine times. I was one of those kids who moved quite a bit. And that level of instability, it makes you stronger and more flexible but a lot happens before you bounce back, as they say, you become resilient. And so for me, I wrote the books that I wanted as a kid. And so I said, you know, I'm gonna make sure this book doesn't just talk about my story. It really supports social emotional learning and helps the children within the military setting and others to really understand their journey. And they just kind of build 
understanding and just kind of promote the culture overall. That's amazing. I mean, I think that's a super powerful thing. I I actually don't know about you, Austin, but like I think I moved about like 15 times by the time I was like 17. And it was always like, it does make you stronger. You do make friends in new neighborhoods, but it can be a little bit like isolating sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. That's what I was like growing up too, but nowhere on the scale of what Shimon is describing. Yeah, I think like every year or two or three years, they're typically moving. And um, in, in my case, it was most uh, mostly Europe and in the Middle East. Wow. I moved back stateside when as, as an adult. Wow. You know, very different experience. So you're talking about new language, new environment, new culture, new school. That's just the tip of the iceberg with change. And just imagine kids go through so much. And I said, I want to tell their stories from a child's perspective. A lot of literature, it's an adult telling it from the adult's perspective. It's like, no, go back in your memories and tell it how you felt in the moment as a child when you say like, this place stinks or I don't want to be here. I miss my family. And just really like live in that moment, allow them to experience those emotions and talk around it. That's amazing. I mean, like, I can't even imagine being in like all those different parts of the world, like at such a young age, like you're right. Everything does feel different when you're a kid. And that's super powerful. Wow. It's a cool adventure. Like I would not change it. But I said, when you, when you start to explain like some really great memories, people go, that's not real. You tell the story. I'm like, no, I really saw the Sistine Chapel. Like I really took pictures when you're not supposed to. In there. Like, that's awesome. I was like, we really took a field trip and went to Disney in Paris. They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's a, you know, and so people go, that doesn't exist. I said, well, it does in my world. Like my world's a little bit different. Yeah. But different should be celebrated. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Now I want to go to Disneyland in Paris. <laughs> Oh, you'll love it. It, it blows Disney out of, over here out of the water. And then there's Disney oh in China. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That is so cool. Um, I can't wait until we can travel again. Uh, <laughs> but you said that you love traveling now. Is that because of what you experienced as a kid? Do you feel like, you, like you're a really good, like, strong traveler? I <laughs> know some people get nervous on planes and stuff. But, yeah, um, because it was so constant and familiar for me, traveling feels like home. That's awesome. You know, before I knew my name, I had a passport. Wow. I had a passport at a couple of weeks old and we were shipping back over to England from being in the U.S. like on vacation for a little bit of time. Yeah. So it's very natural to me to use my passport to go places to just explore a new country because I really believe that the willingness to learn new things yeah. is a skill. And those people who are embracing other areas and cultures and environments and language and people... Those are the leaders of today and tomorrow, not just I'm going to stay around the people that look like me, sound like me, have the same experience. When you can adapt and grow and just embrace other things, that's that's where you're winning. And I said, we have to teach kids a little bit more about that. The things that make you uncomfortable, it's okay to feel discomfort and to just sit in it and grow and find ways to connect with those individuals. Wow. Yeah. Did you have any siblings growing up with that childhood? Yeah, there's four of us. So I am blessed. Wow, okay. Two sisters and a brother. I'm number three. So we literally call each other by numbers. We're like, hey, number <laughs> three. And I'm like, how you doing, number two? So, so what's, um, what's unique is that there's four of us. And so we could play our own Monopoly games. You know, we were our <laughs> own card games. You play in hide and seek with four people, you have a real game, right? You know, chalk <laughs> and jump rope and all of the fun things that 
I, you would look to friends for, your siblings become your first friends because until you meet other people, that's your circle. And so even yeah, now, throughout the years, we have made not really friends, we make family with others. And so if you're my friend, you're also my siblings' friends. And we all get along. And so you just become a larger circle. And so that that's just how it is. You just all, you know, I, I kind of take their friends, they take my friends, and we all just enjoy it. But the kids who are, um, you know, like only children, it's a lot harder for them. And so they rely on like a larger family like ours for them to connect with. And then they get four more siblings. That's awesome. Oh. Yeah, I bet you that's like, that really must bond you in ways that maybe other siblings don't get the chance to, well, some might, but that's a really special experience to share with like other people like that. Yeah, you're lost somewhere and you say, um, time's living in Germany. I'm like, okay, I call my brother Kern, like, hey, so I don't have any more euros <laughs> and I'm here. I was like, the last train left it this time. Oh, no. <laughs> So it's a lot of fun stories where you're somewhere and you're like, uh, I just left this place and we were having fun. And then I kind of missed the last train. Yeah. Who could pick me up? Oh, someone's brother can pick us up. Great. And so now, you know, everyone's brother or sister becomes your sibling and other friends just become family and their parents become your parents. So you kind of create your own community when you move a lot. Totally. And so you say, you know, everyone, while they're temporary, you don't know how long you have with them. And mm-hmm. so you connect on deeper levels in a short amount of time. And you may physically see them five years later, right. but the time didn't change anything. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's a good like backup call to have in case you need, you know, someone when you're lost. <laughs> oh yeah. You make a phone call like, okay, if you can remember no one's number, remember two <laughs> people's number that have cars. <laughs> right. That's a good I remember stuck in Germany, they can either call my sister or you, Sophia, to come yeah. bail me out. Uh, always, always. <laughs> Um, so going back to kind of what you were talking about, like building kids to be ready for any kind of change or like just kind of getting used to the fact that like adaptability is important in life. What does like resilience look like to you? For me, resilience looks like, okay, I'm, I'm uncomfortable in the moment, Mm -hmm. but I recognize that this will pass. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, there's a lesson to learn in this discomfort. Right. And I have to keep building skills to grow, right? Things to cope. I need to be able to put tools in my toolkit on how to overcome obstacles. And that's something we learned very early, like living in Turkey. You know, it's a different language, different culture, different people. And I had nothing but great experiences living abroad. But I would say, okay, what do I need to know if I'm lost? I need to know what my number is, how to get home, how to take a taxi at a young age, right? Yeah, just things like making groceries, traveling. You would need to know basic things to survive. And so for me, resilience looks like, how do you survive in this moment? What are those emotional skills you need? What are the physical skills you need? You know, how do you trust your instincts? And so you would learn quickly, this doesn't feel right. Let me stay away from this area. Let me go over here, right? Or this person, you 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 have a, a bad vibe, if you will. So you yeah. learn quickly to adjust and just figure out what the next step is. So resilience becomes so much more than just how do I move forward? It's like, how do I make sure I'm aware of my surroundings? Yeah. How do I connect with others? What's the path for growth for mm-hmm. me? That's amazing. Wow. Um, at, okay, so as someone who grew up in the military, um, how did it shape you as a writer? Like, do you feel like you have more experiences kind of in your back pocket? Like you said, you've experienced so many things in life that seem out of this world. 
yeah, you, you created, you have a deep appreciation for those things that just seemed normal to you. Yeah. And so I have a million stories to tell, but they're just my experiences, you know, having, um, like, uh, there was times in living in Germany where there's blizzards and you guys are in Canada, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's what you feel is cold in your neighborhood. If you're not from cold climates is not cold, right? Right. When they shovel the snow and you still have to go to school and work. This is what I'm talking about. Like several feet of snow, right? Oh yes. So understanding what these things look like when you're having these snowball fights and whitewashing someone in the snow because it's fun. Things <laughs> like that that are just memories for me could become mm-hmm. dynamic stories in a book. And I said, totally. the more I talk, people go, what are you, t-? you know, people that didn't grow up in the same, um, with the same experience, it's like, whoa, that's really cool. Yeah. You say, well, let me write about that. Let me change some names, some characters, a few things. So the person who was whitewashed in the snow yeah, I don't actually put her name on there because she's upset, you know, like a mom now and, you know, a whole professional. So it's like, let me not put her name in there. You change some of those things, but these memories become great stories. And so as a writer, I say, how do I share the things that are in my heart and on my mind with someone? How do I craft the intentions around that so that there's great impact? How do I help others not just feel what I'm sharing, but they can create conversations with their children and their families and their circle of friends around a concept like hope, a concept like change and resilience. So, you know, it, it started out with sticky notes yeah. and then it became podcast interviews and <laughs> parents reaching out saying, we're getting ready to move again, even if they're not in the military. So we're getting ready right. to move again. And your book just helped me talk with my kid around how they're feeling. And to yeah. me, the light bulb goes off and I say, wow, that's what I wanted. Yeah. Oh, like, did you find growing up, was there like an inspirational figure like yourself that you looked up to when you were younger? Like, were there other people telling their stories that were similar to your situation? So that's the interesting part. Um, there, I don't remember reading that ever. It was like these kids exist or migrant kids exist and no one would, you know, mm-hmm. oh, they just exist. They're just different. And there was not literature around it, not defined literature that explained the social and emotional aspects of moving, of changing, of, you know, having a parent with who, who their first language is a different language or their experience is different. That, that second culture, right. no one was really talking about that in literature. And I said, I want the book that I didn't have growing up. How do I create that concept for someone else? I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. It's COVID. That's amazing. You're, in, you're under lockdown anyway. Yeah. Wow. I feel like that's a very productive and creative outlet for like a lockdown. <laughs> Good for you. Like I call it COVID creativity. It's like, okay, what else can I do? Okay. I've baked food. <laughs> enough, right? What else can I do? I was like, I'm going to try my hand at writing. I love to read, but what can I write? How can I give back to the field and how can I share more importantly with children? That's incredible. Yeah. There definitely needs to be more room in literature for that. I definitely remember being a kid and like, um, you know, like on both sides of my family, like I'm the first generation to be born here. And I really like think about that a lot because it's such a touchstone in our family stories, like before we came to Canada and the whole moving thing. And I think like moving as a child, that's such like a transformative age anyway. And like you said, like you could miss your family, like you could, you know, like, yes, you get to see all these different things, but what does that kind of conversation look like when you're having it with children? So I think that's really like incredible. Like I, I don't remember reading any books like this. So I'm so excited about yours. 
because it didn't exist. It's crazy. We are the generation that has to write our experiences because it didn't exist. And so my family's in Trinidad and Tobago. So, you know, them moving to the UK and yeah. then meeting and then having this and yeah. then joining the, serve, the, the military and wow. then traveling. It's a different experience in terms of culture and food and language and the environment. And you miss the family that is back home yeah. in your home country. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's different. You create these subcultures that it's hard to explain yeah. to different people that are not a part of it. But you said, you know, it's important to talk about it. How yeah. do we build, a, build bridges there? It's amazing. Oh, I love that. Um, what made you want to become an author in general? I, I kind of feel like we've been dancing around this, but you know, what kind of drew you to the subject? Like, I, and you'll probably laugh at this, but I operate on the concept of why not? Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine traveled with me last time I went to Belgium. My sister um, and the kids and her husband were living over there at the time. And I said, oh, can I come with you when you go home, Charmaine? Because I always call Europe home. I said, yeah, come yeah. on home with me, right? And we came back. We returned back to the U.S. She wrote a book, a children's book, about because we took her daughter with us. And she was talking about her experiences. This five-year-old had never experienced anywhere outside the U.S. and right. was just so taken by the chocolate and the people and the gold and just everything was Belgium, Belgium, Belgium. Wow. Said, wow. The impact of travel just as an adult viewing this on a child. I said, I'm going to write. She said, you can write a book about it. And I said, I said, why? She was like, well, you always say, why not, Shermaine? I said, you know what? <laughs> why not? <laughs> so it became okay. a challenge for myself. And I said, you know, let me start writing. But what is low-hanging fruit? What is something I can write about immediately and deliver? And so there's lots of sticky notes all over. And I'm not a hoarder, I promise. But <laughs> I would say, you know what? Why not? There is a lot of great literature out there. And there are some things that are not so good. Go ahead. Try your hand at this. It's amazing. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Sticky notes, sticky notes and why not is like a beautiful story to something so amazing. Like, I, I can't even believe it. That's amazing. If you ever do a memoir, that'll be a perfect title for it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we get t-shirts, right? And then, um, so I'm, yes, that would be so cool. So cool. Awesome. Says why not on the t-shirt. Um, I'm just a big believer in you have to have a level of confidence in yourself. You have to say, and that, that's resilience as well. Even if you're making the, the wrong decision, you need to understand why you made that decision and how to move forward. So it's about taking those lessons and saying, you know what, this was wrong. This was right. How do I fix it? And so um, if I could share a quote with you, this is my favorite motivational quote. I don't know who wrote it, but I, I can't find a name attached, but it is my favorite. It says, whatever you think you can't do, just know there is someone who is confidently doing it wrong right now. <laughs> they have no plans at doing it better either. And people are paying them to do it. Oh my so gosh. please believe in your own excellence as much as they believe in their mediocrity. That is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I put it up on the fridge. I put it on the wall. I write it in my notebooks. I have it in my phone as a screensaver. And I said, you know what? Gosh. It's not the skill that sells. It's the confidence that sells. I feel so inspired right now. <laughs> that was amazing. You feel it. That quote is, um, is my favorite. And so I translate all that to mean why not? That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Um, so transitioning to another thing that I know that you're into, um, 
you also do coloring books. Is that true? Yes. Again, just another why not. I said, I said, you know what? I'm hiring an illustrator. This is amazing. I can do this. Let me me try my hand at this again. Let me learn a little graphic design, start learning the language behind what illustration looks like. Let me understand the process a little bit more. Am I like an expert illustrator? No, but I really see the value in learning the processes and understanding what it takes to fulfill that skill. Even if you contract it out, you need to understand a part of it. That is so cool. So I, I mean, like, is there anything you don't do? This is incredible. <laughs> like, I feel like <laughs> so I, I have to say, um, and you know this with, with parents from other countries, yep. is that they specialize in a little bit of everything. Yep. I mean, true. from construction to, yeah, I have an aunt. Auntie Helen is a nurse. She's a nurse in England, in the UK, but that is her profession. Mm-hmm. But she could build a fence. Yep. I have seen her build <laughs> a beautiful fence, right? Just from like learning yeah. a little bit. You know, this is just that, that's that resilience from, you know, just growing mm-hmm. up and moving and changing place. I've seen her create a fur coat. I've, wow. seen, it. I've seen her make a <laughs> wedding dress. I've seen her lay tile, you know, fix uh, oh toilets. Like I've seen her do everything. And I said, well, how in the world do you know how to do that? She's, she's learned to weld before. Oh my gosh. And I said, what in the world? She's like, well, <laughs> When you need something, yeah. you want to learn enough about the process, right? Absolutely. So it's not about knowing it all. It's about aligning yourself with the smartest person in the room and learning from them. And so she said, I can learn something, even though it's not perfect. I can learn part of the process. I can try it myself. And then if I need to hire a professional, I will. But it will never be for lack of knowledge. It would just be for lack of skill. And I said, but you're a nurse. <laughs> and so like my nieces and my nephew always crack the joke that yeah. if there's anything you don't know, you can ask Auntie Helen. <laughs> she can awesome. do it all. And I just thought that is resilience, knowing how to learn more and then when, when to hire somebody else. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, what a legend. Now I want to. And all of them are like this. Like all of my aunts are just like this. That's so My cool. uncles too, but I am so impressed by women that just desire to do a little bit of everything yeah oh for sure that's awesome I feel like everyone should have an aunt like that in their speed dial <laughs> yeah so right they're the coolest but you could they can also discipline you yeah. and then hang out you're just like and you yeah. can build stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so true that's awesome uh, I mean like what keeps you motivated to do all of this like is it just having these great role models like in your life like do you feel like where do you get your motivation from? Um, I guess my motivation comes from hearing, hearing from customers. Yeah. Hearing from the parents who say that this book is helping their kids. Awesome. You know, when they post these cute little photos with the kid online holding this book or mm-hmm. talking about how it made the conversation a little bit easier to right. move because mom or dad's job is taking them somewhere else. Even if it's another city, it doesn't have to be international. Yeah. It made the conversation easier. Or hearing from teachers that are saying, I can align this to academic standards. Yeah. You know, they're exploring geography. They're learning new terminology. They're understanding the social, emotional aspects of something. They're, they can say, scusi quanto costa in Italian, learning to say wow. hi, you know, saying yeah. how much you get. Yes. It, it's just cool to be able to share what you know and to have somebody receive it in a way and say, well, what else are you doing? And in my mind, I'm going... Well, I guess I got to do something else now, too, because <laughs> I was like, well, let's make it a series. And I said, well, sure, I have a million stories in my mind I can share. 
And so the motivation really just comes from other people giving me the idea to say, why not something else? And I'm going, okay, <laughs> on the same lines. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's such a good outlook. I feel like that just, it must attract so many good things. Like, you know, all these great things you're doing, like that's incredible. Something different. Like you guys are doing this podcast. You're continuing a podcast in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Learning yeah. new technology, reaching out. We're talking to each other from different countries. Yes. You're, you're doing great things as well. I think we just don't give ourselves enough grace and credit for the work that we're doing. Like just surviving day to day in this world situation is amazing. Yeah. This podcast is like our why not project pretty much. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, people who live their life by the why not. <laughs> Oh, it's not crazy ideas. Just why not? <laughs> you, know, you can bake a cake. Why not? You know? Yeah. I'm going to be employing this like a lot more in my everyday life. I can tell. Oh, me too. <laughs> well, this, this also happens in my traditional job. So um, I'm a project manager and I create oh, learning programs for executives. And so they would say, well, why would we do it this way? You know, of course, you can't just jump out and say, why not? You find the research behind it and right. industry practices. And then you add the, well, why not do something different? You know? this is amazing like no wonder you're so motivational I mean wow this is so great um I mean next we're getting to some more fun questions but what books are you reading lately like do you have anything good on the go yeah so I love reading Mary Higgins Clark oh nice um, okay so you know mystery suspense I've always loved that yes. and I try my hand at different genres but she passed last year. It was one of my dreams to be able to sit and listen to her share a book. But, you know, I, I will see her again someday. Yes. But um, I read anything Mary Higgins Clark. And I'm also reading a book right now called Ask by Ryan Levesque. I might be saying it wrong. L-E-S-V-E-S-Q-U-E. I think it's Levesque. I might be. But I'm reading that book and it's just teaching you more about how to create a process. Mm -hmm. How to connect your product to not just saying, hey, buy my stuff. It's saying, well, let's talk about what it looks like in a way that people can receive. And I said, right. I want to do that. Um, aside from that, I color a lot. Nice. Because it's fun, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And you might laugh at this, but I like to blow bubbles. Like, I'll you know, get the dish soap and a little straw and just blow bubbles. Yeah. It is stress-free and it does wonders for the mind. <laughs> yeah, instant joy. I, I I'll agree have to try that, that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, and then like, I guess like my next question is like, where can people find you and where can people find your book? Oh, you can find me on booksformilitaryfamilies.com. Okay. And that I'll put all this in the description is, for the episode. Yeah. yeah. That domain just redirects you to amazinglyshermaine.com. So you can find me on Amazon. All of the marketplaces, Canada's marketplace, Japan, Italy, all of that. So if you just go on Amazon and you put in, I move a lot and that's okay, it will pop right up. An interesting thing about, somebody said, well, what else are you doing? Yeah. I have this character, Grace, okay. and she's in a biracial family mm -hmm. in this book. And a friend reached out and said, well, I am a, a girlfriend. She reached out and said, I'm the soldier and I have a son. Can you flip-flop the characters? Because I want to see a boy on there. And so I move a lot, and that's okay. Axel's story was born. Amazing. Same story, but it's a little boy, and the mom is a service member. The dad is a supportive spouse. Because in some scenarios, when you move, you know, one parent is the 
the primary breadwinner and the other person is the stay-at-home parent. Right. And so you see the dad is the stay-at-home person. That's awesome. It, it just came out and people said, oh, well, you know, they have their father or their husband is mm-hmm. the supportive spouse. And it was nice to see that because you don't typically see in literature, the yes. father is not the breadwinner. He's the person that's wearing the children. He's running all the errands in the background. He's making sure right. that this kid gets ice cream and test out pizza. <laughs> yes. And those are typically um, things that may be assigned with the female mm-hmm. in a lot of scenarios. And I said, okay, let's try something different. Just, awesome. you know, out of some feedback received. That's so great. Oh, yeah, I love that. I love that. It's always nice to see like different roles and everything represented. So it's amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I mean, I, I know we've said it before, but just looking at your Instagram and everything you're doing, like we're such big fans. I think this is such like an important and just like awesome book. So I hope everyone gets the chance to read it. I know I'm excited too. I just wanted to hop in and ask, you've got the, the kids book under your belt. You've got the coloring book under your belt. So what's next for you? Ooh, a challenge. Okay. <laughs> I, um, so I'm going to write some more children's books around the theme of moving, but I want to talk a little bit more around, um, being from a family where you're, you're like your, your family members are from other countries. Like mm-hmm. you've seen that experience, Sophia earlier that, yeah. you know, this is a little bit different, like when you're back home versus here and just that switch children have to make. Yeah. You know, trying to translate things for your parents. Oh, absolutely. Because that happens quite a bit. And making sure that you translate in a way they understand. A lot of kids operate like many adults. And when I taught seventh grade English second language learners, a lot of my students spoke Spanish or French is their first language. And they were from other countries. And so they operate as many adults, helping their parents set up um, banking accounts, helping their parents learn how to pay the bills here. And not that the parents are incapable, but there's a language barrier. So I want to um, write some literature around that. I feel that's important. And yeah. then I want to try my hand around some chapter books. It's amazing. Oh, I can't wait to read all of these. Like everything you're saying is like <laughs> everything I was looking for as a child. Like this is awesome. Are you going to go along the same themes for your chapter books? Or are you going to move into something different? I want to keep the same themes. I said, I want to make sure that I'm true to my experience. Uh I want to talk around, you know, the kids that move quite a bit. I want to talk around the transient community, kids that, um, you know, while it's not my experience, I can see how this is adjacent to those children who are adopted or or who live in foster homes because they have a different experience as well. And what does that uprooting, how does that affect their academics? How does that affect their social development? So I want to keep in the same space of social, emotional learning but around themes that I, I'm aware of. Right. Wow. But I got to ask, what's next for you both? <laughs> I don't know. Austin, what's next? <laughs> well, in the grand scheme of things, I'm going back to school this fall. Yay. <laughs> That'll be a big change for me. I've been, I've been off school for about two years, so it's time for me to go back now. What program? So I'm taking the, it's the Masters of Museum Studies program at the University of Toronto. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very excited. A little nervous about that, but like you yeah. said, why not? Why, why not, not go back to school? Keep growing and going and trying something different and just learn from it if it doesn't work and just pivot and do something else. Of course. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to keep that in mind. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like you have no reason to be Austin. You've been teaching me about history, our whole friendship. So <laughs> I think this is a good match for you. <laughs> so, okay. So you're naturally inclined to do this. You're just going to get what other people say is the industry recognition. I think so. Yeah, you could say that. (laughs) 
I think you're very modest, Austin. I feel like you could have been teaching like history courses we took together. <laughs> um, that would be great. Maybe become a college professor on the side. That'd be a good idea. That's a, another why not idea. Why not become a college professor? I did that for a while. So eight years. Really? No, seven years. And wow. it was interesting. I taught um, American government, world history, mm. um, American politics. And, it, and, you know, they want you to teach by the book. Right. So, well, this is, this is kind of boring. I don't want to lecture anyone. So we'd create these discussion groups around it. And I would say, well, we're talking about the institution of Congress and what that looks like having a law, an idea become a law in the U.S. I was like, let's just invite a congressman to class. And so I would just invite people, reach out and be like, hey, would you talk to my class? And so they'd come in, but the administration really didn't like that. And I was like, well, we got to do something different if you want a different result. Doing things the same way, them just reading the textbook and writing the answers is not learning. That is them just, you know, we're just repeating it, repetition, you know, just Absolutely. giving you what you gave me. I want them to have an application of the learning where they're able to teach others, connect and find real world, you know, just connections between yeah. where they are and what the content looks like. And I think that's what Austin does. Like he's teaching you day to day in his yeah. conversations about what happens with history and where you are. At least yeah. this is kind of my interpretation. Of yes, <laughs> no, it's right. And now you're <laughs> going to learn what they say you need to learn, but you probably already know these things. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think like definitely like learning, there can be a lot of monotony when it comes to like, oh, you're just regurgitating the same stuff. So, I mean, bringing people in to talk about real experiences to what you're trying mm. to teach is awesome. Like that's the kind of class people want to take. It was not received well. I was oh. like semester after semester, I don't mind if I'm in a little trouble because I <laughs> like it. And yeah. there's the passive teaching methods where I'm just going to let you listen to it, yeah. read it, watch it on a video. But then there's a participatory reading method, and that has such like much higher retention rates for learning. Yes, yeah. We're talking 70, 85, 90% retention. You're going to remember what you experienced. Yes. You're not going to remember what someone told you went off. Oh, absolutely. We have I to have a whole overhaul of higher education in the U.S., but that's like a different question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, if anyone can do that, I feel like it would be you. Yeah. Oh, no one wants the why not in that setting. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is the way we've always done it. In my mind, I'm going, well, let's try something different. What do students want to enjoy? Yeah. I, I want them to see the value in anything you're reading or experiencing. You want to feel like it was a good use of your time. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, now I want you to be in charge of the overhaul of all education. <laughs> Forget. Oh, they got me out of their class. They were like, uh, we don't want you teaching this class. I was like, but no. people love it. Like, I have 40 people in here slotted for 20. They like this class. <laughs> yeah, that should be a sign that it's working, but... I mean, I guess that's where we are for now. For now. Until Austin gets in there and changes museum studies. That, yeah. <laughs> you never know. Why not, right? It could be like Night at the Museum where you have people act out the characters. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I once went to something um, in South Georgia here. And instead of um, reading the typical story about Jesus in Bethlehem, what they had was it looked like it looked like a manger. It looked like a market that you were going through. And it that's was amazing. a realistic interpretation with characters assigned to roles yeah. in his journey through Bethlehem and you're like what in the world they're like move it along and the guards are pushing <laughs> you and you're like okay. but I remember that, that I would love 20 that years ago but That's it was so impactful funny. you know whether you're religious or not it's not the point it's like it was an ex experience 
for the moment, you said, wow, this is what people are going through. Like they're making you eat food and like pay it a shilling to get by and stuff. So, it, you know, it's more, you remember what you experienced, not just what you read somewhere. That stuff is boring. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's so true. That's, that is the stuff that stays with you. That's a really good point. Yeah. So the books, I think that give you experiences and allow you to really have a journey through your mind and feel it and read it and say it and write it. Those are the things that you remember those books. You don't remember the ones that was just a flat story. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. I can't top that, Charmaine. I mean, I feel like you just spoke into everything. Like, uh, wow, no, I feel so inspired. Say. Yeah, I'd say, why not? And I'd be like, yes, <laughs> you know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. I mean, it's it's been a real pleasure. So I hope you you keep well and I can't wait, wait to grab your book. So thank you. I look forward to us chatting again. Let me know when. I want to come on and do that that cut thing you know? oh yeah <laughs> anytime you guys want me back I am more than happy to come I love connecting with others and more importantly you're not just meeting you're not meeting a stranger you're meeting somebody else you can connect with and grow with and learn of from. course yeah and, and that's what we have to do daily is find ways to connect and learn something new from your background or your experience mm-hmm I feel like I'm just going to take everything you said today and put it like on an inspirational poster. Like I just, this is amazing. So going to listen to this episode on repeat from now on. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. And then put some sticky notes up, right? With that quote. I will. I will. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thanks so much. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll talk to you guys later. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Shermanu. It was really fun. Thank you. I really insightful. I others to connect with you. Um, and to say, hey, make sure you check out this podcast. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure you guys are listening and, and reposting it everywhere. Because when you have good information like this, the problem is that a lot of people don't listen. You're like, no, everybody's got to share it so that we can make the world a little bit smaller and a little bit brighter with the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome.